Well, good morning. I just want to encourage you. Um, we've got, like, like the announcement said, Winterfest coming up. If you if you're unaware, what we've been what we've been doing now for for a few years is just been asking the question to to our city here in Biddeford, what can we do to help? And um, and so part of what we've been doing is this thing called Winterfest, where we have some guys from our church that donate their time and. We bring in truckloads of snow to make a huge sledding hill. We shut down Adams Street in Bedford and uh, create a sledding hill for families and kids. And we hand out free lunch. And it's just a time to bless our city. And so I'd love for each and every one, single one of you guys to just, you know, we have a little sign-up sheet here on nlc.today. You can go to uh, events. And there's like hour time slots. Like I'll, I'll man the hill for an hour to make sure kids don't get hurt. Or um, for an hour and a half time slot to hand out free food. But um, just consider that um, as we get closer. It's coming up on Saturday, February 1st. And um, I'd love for you to just consider being a part of that. Um, <clears throat> well, don't mind this. I'll get to that later. Um, we've been, so I grew up in the 80s. And anybody else either grow up in the 80s? Maybe you, maybe you raised kids in the 80s. Um, the 80s were a different time. And, uh, you know, I think we always look back at our childhood and, and we can see things, you know, that, you know, were just so different than they are today. It was a simpler time. And, um, and I, was, I was thinking about it that there were things growing up in the 80s that you could diffuse a situation with certain sayings. There were sayings that you could say and, um, and be able to like diffuse, a, you know, avoid a fight or get out of things. And so uh, allow me to educate you on some 1980s rebuttals. Um, number one, if, if somebody said something to you that was offensive um, and you didn't like it, this is what you would say back to them. You would say this, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. And that was that. Dude, it was over. Like, crisis averted, mischief managed, problem solved. I mean, the, the, the guy was like, oh, you got me. You know, like I said that insult to you, but it, it bounced off you somehow and stuck on me, and now I'm that. You know, you're like, done. That was child's play. Um, one of the other one that I really want to hit on today is this was the queen mother of all 80s rebuttals. And this was what you would say if someone told you, to do something and you didn't want to do it. You know, they're like, hey, pick that up. Hey, clean that. Hey, do this. And you're like, I don't want to. This is what you would say. You look them square in the eye, you make eye contact, and you would say, you are not the boss of me. <laughs> Done. It was, it was like, if maybe you're like, yeah, I raised a kid in the 80s and they said that to me one time. And then I took it to them, right? Yeah, you know. But there were variations of this that you could use, things like, you're not my mom, you're not my dad, you're not my grandma, you're not my king, you're not my God, you're not the boss of me. Like, the point was, you, you, you think that you have the right to tell me what to do, and you're not going to tell me what to do. That was, that was 1980s rebuttals, and they seemed to work. Um, even though these 80s sayings are kind of childish, I think as I was processing through some of them, they, they get down to, um, I'll struggle I think on the inside of all of us for authority. Like the question is this, are you my boss? Am I your boss? Who's the boss? Right? Who's in charge here? Am I in charge of me? Are you in charge of me? 
Am I in charge of you, right? Because if I am, I, I, can, I can take care of you pretty quickly, right? But there's this question of always wondering, like, who's, who's in authority in our life? And we've been talking over the past few weeks, because it's New Year's, and we talk and think about, you know, breaking bad habits and starting good ones and making New Year's resolutions and all of these things. This is the time of year that we think about these things. And if we're really honest, we, we have some things that we want to see change in our life. You know, we want to make resolutions and break bad habits and do all of these things. And yet we find ourselves stuck going back to the very things that we don't want to go back to. You ever been there? Like I decided last Monday, the 6th was supposed to be when I start my diet. And, it's, and that's when, that was also the same day I ate the whole box of Cheez-Its. So I think I'm going to start tomorrow on that diet that I said I was going to start last week and I probably should have started the week before, right? There's this reality that like we, we want to do things that we don't do and then we don't do the things that we want to do and that we've made decisions to do. And we have this question rolling around on the inside of us and maybe we don't say it out loud, but it rolls around on the inside of us and this question is this, who's the boss? Am I the boss of me? Because sometimes I don't feel like the boss of me. You ever feel like that? Like you're like, man, there's some things that I want to do that I don't do, and I don't want to do these things, but that, those are the things that I keep doing. I, what I hate, I do. Who's the boss here? Am I in charge of me or is someone else? And we struggle with this even in marriage. Marriage is kind of a microcosm of this struggle, right? So we, we, we struggle with this thing, well, like, like, are we a team or am I the boss? Well, the Bible says that I'm the head and and, and your wife says, well, you know, I'm only making decisions because you won't make any decisions. And you're like, but, well, but that's not, that's not how it's supposed to work. And we have this struggle going back and forth. Like, like, who's in charge? Am I in charge? Are you in charge? Am I in charge of you? You in charge of me? Are we a team? I don't know what that looks like. I see it play out with my wife. She'll say to me sometimes, she'll be like, she just said it recently. You know what, Justin? I think we need to clean the basement. She said that. And I've been married for 20 years, so <clears throat> we just know holds barred. I just looked at her, I was like, is that a me-we, a you-we, or a we-we? <laughs> she goes, well, it's not a we-we. <laughs> so, so I just looked at her, and I was like, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> and then I ran. <laughs> and I ran. Because I love her, but I'm scared of her, right? Like, and so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so we, we, we have this thing that kind of rolls around in us. Like, who's the boss of who? Who's the boss? Is the title of my message today. And uh, as it relates to our spiritual lives, why is it that, you know, we, we want to see change happen. We want to stop bad habits. We want to start good habits. We want to, you know, read our Bible more. We want to pray. We want to do all these things. And yet we, we, we do the things that we don't want to do and we... Don't do the things that we want to do, and we, we struggle to see that change happen. Why do I want to change and yet find myself staying the same? Who's the boss? Who's the boss? So turn with me to Romans chapter 7. We're going to get into um, a, a scripture that we've read before. Even I think I even read it last week, um, that Paul talks about this very same problem, the symptoms at least, that, that we all can relate to. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into what it is that Paul's really trying to communicate to us. And, um, and I believe that it is super impacting 
So <clears throat> he starts with this, Romans 7, verse 15. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Have you ever tried to figure out why you do what you do? Good luck. Good luck. You're like, I, I, don't, I don't understand why I make these decisions and then I don't follow through. I don't understand why I say that I don't want to do this and yet that's the very thing that I try to do. And like, you've been trying to fix you for a while now. <laughs> you, you've been, you know, okay, I've been, I read that book. I, I listened to that sermon. I went to that counselor. But nothing seems to stick. And, and you may not be aware of this, but this question is really the thing that's rolling around in us, which is, who's the boss of me? Who is it? Because I, I, I feel like if I were the boss, I'd do things differently. So, so who is that? Who is the boss of me? And today I want to drill down on, on what it is that the Apostle Paul is communicating in his letter to the Romans. And my aim is this. I'll just lay it out there to you. My aim is to bring our attention and hopefully clarify and bring a clear understanding of what it is that Paul is communicating to us that is available to us in Christ. Because I truly believe that if we can grasp just one part of what he's trying to communicate to us, it's a game changer. It's, it's life transforming if we can grasp what it is that he's trying to say. He continues in verse 18 of Romans 7. He says, we relate to this, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You ever been there? You're like, yeah, I do what I don't do, and I do, 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 do. Like, why is it that there are certain areas of my life that I feel like I've got self-control over? Like, yeah, I got this thing, right? I can do what I want to do and not do what I don't want to do. And yet there are areas of my life that I'm just like, who's the boss? Who is in charge here? Like, I got this thing under, under wraps and I'm able to, but yet this area of my life, like, who, who is calling the shots? Because it's obviously not me or is it me? Or what, what am I doing or not doing, right? Because I do the things I do, 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 like he says, right? He just gets into this tongue twister. So we know what the problem is, or at least the symptoms of this problem. We see it. We, we know it to be true. In every single one of our, our lives, even if your name is Mother Teresa, like you have got something in your life that you're like, man, I don't understand why I'm doing the things that I do. But awareness of the problem is not the same as knowing the solution. That's the key. Awareness of this problem is not the same as knowing the solution. And the Apostle Paul is going to teach us, and I hope you'll stay along with me, he's going to teach us something about ourselves and about yourself that, that I think that we sometimes forget or maybe we didn't even know was a part of this Christian life. And so what Paul's going to suggest to you, I'm going to give you just a spoiler alert. What he's going to suggest to you is this, that the problem may be that you do not know what the problem may be. That's what he's getting at. And it's kind of confusing, and that's why I want you to stick along and, and, and hang with me here. And I have this weird thing shrouded in black to keep your attention, right? Because you, listen, the problem may be that you don't know what the problem may be. 
And he starts out, we see this in a few verses, in Romans chapter 7, and sometimes it gets lost because if you've read Romans, you realize, especially if you're reading the New King James Version or the King, 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 King James Version, you're going to be like, what in the world is this dude talking about? Because, I mean, it is like, it's thick. This is what he says in Romans chapter 7, 7 verse 17. I want you to, I'm going to read three verses. I want you to just listen closely to what he's saying here. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Okay, verse 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. What's Paul doing here? He's actually diagnosing his problem before he tells us the solution. And I don't know, you can read through verse 17, 18, and 20 by yourself, but here's the reality. It's almost like he's describing a disease. Notice that? And he uses the S word. He's like, sin. Word that we don't like to describe, at least anything that applies to ourselves. He's like, I got this thing. It's this, uh, it's like a disease. It's called, it's called sin. I got like the sinful nature, this thing. And he says twice, it's not me who does it. It's sin living in me that does it. Now, I'm just, on first read, I'm kind of like, Paul, are you telling me that when you do bad things that you didn't want to do, that it's not your fault, that it's sin's fault? Like, how does that work? So you're telling me, like, you pull apart, you, you know, you punch somebody, and they're like, did you just hit me? No, no I didn't do it. It was sin. <laughs> Who's sin? Well, it's not me. Sin's fault. Sin did. I didn't do it. You, you just punched me. No, 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 it wasn't me. It was sin. Like, what in the world is he talking about? He's like, it, it's not me. It's not I who do it. It's, it's sin. I have, like, this sin inflammation, a sin inflammation. I mean, he's legit, like, kind of like throwing sin under the bus. It's like, oh, dude, it's not me. It's some, this other thing that's in me doing it. That's not I that do it. What is he talking about? I mean, that's crazy talk. Is he suggesting that sin is his boss? He continues in verse 24. He's got a flair for the dramatic. He says, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. I mean, it's got, in my Bible, it's got an exclamation point because he's just, he's just kind of just travailing here, right? What a wretched man I am. I want you to understand this. Nobody says words like, what a wretched man I am for small things. He's not saying, what a wretched man I am. I never come to a full stop. It's always a rolling stop at a stop sign. What a wretched man I am, right? He's not saying, you know, a wretched man I am. I can't even believe it. I said I was going to go to the gym, and I didn't even go last week. What a wretched man. Please understand this. He's talking about something that's possibly a little more sinister, a little more grievous than rolling stops at stop signs. And he continues, and he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And I want to stop there and really take a look at that question because I believe that this question is key to the solution. 
And it's a question, if we're really honest, we don't ask. We, we ask not who will rescue me, but what will rescue me? What, what do I need to do to rescue myself? What do I need to change? What diet do I need to get on? What book do I need to read? What, what, what class do I need to take? What sermon do I need to listen to? What will rescue me? What's going to fix this? What, 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 what do I need to do? Just tell me. I'll buy it. I'll sign up for it. I'll enlist in it. What, what is going to save this body that is subject to death? But Paul asks a better question because he knows that the answer is not in a what, but in a who. Who? And it's this question that he introduces the solution. He says this in verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Essentially, Paul is saying, sin was my boss. But through Jesus Christ, sin is no longer the boss of me. So the answer to the problem is through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he says. It's not a what, it's a who. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? Very inspiring. Um, we can read throughout Romans. If you've ever read through the book of Romans, it's filled with all of these terms of like in Christ, with Christ, through Christ. This is available to you in Christ and through Christ and in Christ and with Christ and through Christ. And, and what we do, we don't like to admit it, but we're kind of confused by it. We don't want to say that in church. So what we say in church is that was so deep. That was so rich. Wasn't that rich? Wasn't that really rich? We say that, which really means I don't understand what's going on, right? But we like, oh, I was so rich. That was so deep. Did you, did you grasp that? And so he gives us the answer, which is, and it wasn't surprising to me that I didn't have people standing up and spinning around and waving their hankies because it's like, oh, the answer is through Christ Jesus our Lord. <gasps> Whoa, yeah. It's so deep, dude. Because we still don't really understand... And here's the question. What does the who of Jesus have to do with the do of me? Right? I mean, he's like, well, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't know what to do, what I do, and what I hate I do. And yet, the answer is through Jesus Christ. It's in him. I'm like, what does the do of me have to do with the who of him? Really and truly, where the rubber meets the road, what does this even look like? It sounds really deep and rich and all of these things, but I only understand just a little bit of what it is that Paul's trying to connect here. And this is the main idea. We're going to spend the rest of our like 10 minutes together going over to explore, hopefully understand in a deeper way, the truth that Paul is, is desperately trying to deliver to us. And it's this. He's actually defining a truth of who your boss is. Who your boss is. I personally think he does a better job explaining it in Romans, a couple chapters earlier in Romans 5, even in Romans 6. But I want to warn you about something we're going to read in Romans 5 here in just a second. I'm going to warn you. In Romans 7, it was nice because he's talking about himself and like, hey, I'm a hot mess. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do and that what I hate I do and I do, 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 do. In Romans 5, he's not as nice about it because he kind of lumps you into it. 
He just throws all of us under the bus. So if, if you've been okay with it so far, I just want you to know, I hope you get offended at what he has to say about you in Romans 5. Let's start in verse 6. This is what he says. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, we, Kimasab, speak for yourself there, bud. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me just encapsulate this for you. Paul just said that Christ died for the powerless, for the ungodly, and the sinners. And then he tells you, that's who you are. Now, here's the thing. Paul's never met you. He doesn't know that you're like a decent human and that like you're generally a kind human being. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he's never even spent time to even get to know you. And this is what he says. He says, outside of Christ, you are a powerless, ungodly sinner. No offense. But this is, he all of a sudden now lumps you into the same category. We're okay with, with relating to him, but when he just says, you know what? When outside of Christ, you are powerless, you are ungodly, and you're a sinner. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, bud, chill out. And then he starts to give us a little more understanding. In verse 12 of Romans 5, he says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Now, let me boil this down, what he just says in this one verse. He's telling you, your problem is not the problem that you think that you have. Your problem is sin. Sin. And, 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 and what Paul is defining for us is that Sin entered this world through one man, Adam. Sin entered through one man, which means that when Adam sinned, the Bible says that all of us sinned. That was from second service or first service. They weren't supposed to be in here yet. We're all in this together. Right? Which means I was born into Adam. You were born into Adam. Mother Teresa was born into Adam. I don't know why. Just looked like her. Um, <laughs> Franklin Graham and, and Billy Graham were, were, were born into, into Adam. Uh, serial murderers. Right next to you. Did you see that? Were born into Adam. I mean, real close. You guys were touching. That was scary. Um, good people. Decent people born into Adam, and yet what, what Paul is saying and the premise of what he's trying to communicate to us is that through one man, sin, we've read Adam and Eve and the sin in the Garden of Eden. What's true of Adam is true of us. You're like, well, that's not fair. I, I didn't say it was fair. I'm just saying this is, this is what the Bible communicates to us, that we're all born in sin and powerless ungodly sinners. No offense. 
It's the, the, that, that's the premise that, that he begins with. And here's the crazy part. Paul doesn't describe sin as a verb. We, we read that earlier. He describes it as a thing, as like a, a noun that results in verbs. Do you see that? It's almost like he's saying, you got this thing, it's called sin, and it results in sinning. It's like, it's like you got a cough that results in coughing, right? You understand what I'm, what I'm saying? He's almost talking about like the, there's like this like systemic like um, sickness that we're kind of born into in Adam, through Adam, in sin, that we all kind of struggle with. And he's saying that one of the reasons why you haven't been able to change is because you've addressed the wrong things you've done as simply verbs. And what do I mean by that? I mean that when sin is just simply a verb, it's an isolated incident. It's an, it's an accident, right? I mean, you're like, I don't understand what you're talking about, Pastor Justin. I am normally a very charming person. I don't know what happened last night. I freaked out. It wasn't me, right? Like, that was weird because that's not me. I'm, I'm actually, you know, a, a good person. I, 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 don't, I don't understand what you mean by this whole, like, like, sin talk. And he's telling us what our problem is. He's saying your problem is not that you are sinning. Your problem is that you were born a sinner. Now, that, that is what flies in the face of our culture. Even now, when I say this to you, I feel in this room. You feel that? It's cold. You're like, Pastor Justin, I, I don't like that. I don't like that idea. I don't either, really. You know, I'd like to think of myself as a good person who accidentally does bad things. But what Paul is describing to us is something very different. Essentially, he's like, hey, you know, I know you'd like to think that about yourself, but you're really a bad person who accidentally does good things. I don't like that. I didn't say it was fair. I didn't say that you had to like it. I'm just saying, like, this is, this is what Paul is communicating to us, that our problem is not that we, every once in a while, mistake. He says, you're not a mistaker. You're a sinner. You were born into this thing. <laughs> All right, I'll keep moving. Paul's describing what we kind of know, but we don't want to necessarily admit about ourselves. We see it in other people, but we don't necessarily want to see it in us. I mean, it's fine for other people because we, we know evil people. We know people who, who, are, who are just bad, right? I mean, <laughs> but, but that's not me. The reality is, is that what's true of Adam is true of you. We are born into, into Adam. And he's describing something to us, and he describes the solution to our problem beautifully. So if we take this as, as true, this is what he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 15. He's taught, he now talks about Jesus. He says, but the gift, Jesus, is not like the trespass. It's not like the sin. For if many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Verse 17, 
For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the man, Jesus Christ? He makes this comparison between Adam and Jesus. And he says in verse 18, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. So it says, in Adam, we have sin and we have condemnation. In Adam, sin is our boss. But in Christ, we have forgiveness of sins. In Christ, we have newness of life. In Christ, sin is no longer our master. It's this reality that we are born into one thing, and when we make Jesus our Lord and the Savior of our life, he doesn't just give us like a free ticket, a golden ticket to heaven for the sweet by and by so that we can sing, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Look it, he's not talking about that. Now that's true and that's awesome, but there's something that applies to this life now today. He says that there's life available to us today that we can live in. And he says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. What, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know? This is a great question. Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Did, do, do you not know? Did, did you not hear? Do you not? I don't know. Do, I, I don't think I know. Did you, did you know what? Did I know what? Did you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? What's all this talk about baptism? Baptism into Christ, baptism into death. Normally, when we think about baptism, we think of water. Right? We think of water baptism. The word baptism simply means to be put into something else. Immersed. So when you're baptized in water, you are immersed into water. When you're baptized into Christ, you are immersed into Christ. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are immersed in the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying is what is true of Jesus is true of you when you're baptized into Christ. What was true of Adam was true of you. But now... Through Christ Jesus our Lord. What is true of Jesus is true of you. Now, I don't, I don't feel like it though, Pastor Justin. Like I, I don't necessarily always feel like what's true of Jesus is true of me. I find that like um, I still struggle. I still tr struggle feeling like I'm, I'm still involved in this, in this whole Adam thing. And he's saying, when, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not just saved from the eternal fires of hell. You're actually saved, get this, from the power of sin over your life. Today, he says that you are to reign in life today. 
Not just for the sweep on by. Not just so that, okay, I'm going to make Jesus my Lord and so that one day when I breathe my last breath, that day will be the day of glory when I finally, by the skin of my teeth, make it into heaven. He's like, no, I've actually prepared this for you so that in Christ what is true of Jesus is true of you. You have more than a conqueror through Christ who is in you. It is through Christ our Lord that you have freedom of the power of sin. Sin is no longer your master. In Adam, sin was your master. You did what sin told you to do and just did it wildly and probably pretty well. But in Christ, things are different. Today, today they're different. When you're in Adam, what was true of Adam was true of you, but in Christ, what is true of Christ is true of you. Because now you are immersed, you are baptized into Christ. What is true of Jesus is true of you. You're in Christ. When he died, so did your old self. He says this in Romans 6, 4. Let me read it to you. He says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Like this, this death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and all that went along with it is true of you because you are in Christ. And because of that, you, you have been invited now to live a new life in Christ. That's essentially what he's saying. And it doesn't just apply to life everlasting and the sweet by and by. It applies to, to right stinking now. In other words, you were once a slave to sin, but now sin is no longer your, your boss. All the benefits of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection have been applied to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the truth that, that Paul is getting at. So the reason that you get to go to heaven is because you're in Christ. And the reason that you get to live a new life today is for the very same reason that you are in Christ. And he says this in Romans 6, 6, For we know... That our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we no longer, should no longer be slaves to sin. What's he saying? He's like, in Adam, you were a slave to sin. It's all you knew. But in Christ, things are different. What's true of him is true of you. Like, okay, so... It's almost like, Pastor Justin, if, if this is true, okay, which I'm, I'm still struggling with the fact that <laughs> I'm a sinner. Um, if that's true, in, in Christ, what you're telling me, what Paul's saying is like, I have a new, like I have a new identity. Yeah. So you're saying that like in Adam, I was born into this, and yet in Christ, I, uh, I, there's like a new, a new way of living, you got it. Like it's almost and like I've, I'm not the same person that I was. Is that, is that what you're? Yeah. There's something that happens positionally when we come into Christ that it is through him that we're invited to have new life. Now, he goes on and he keeps talking about this. He says, this, this sounds great, but I don't know about you, but like, I still have temptations. Like, I don't know about you, don't tell anybody else, but like, 
there are times I don't feel like I'm in Christ. Like I feel like I'm, I'm even more comfortable over here. And I feel like I know I'm over here, but there's times where I'm like, I don't know. I've struggled with this before I came to Jesus, and yet I still feel drawn to go back over here. Like, but you're in Christ. I know that I'm in him, but why don't I feel like it? Why doesn't it play itself out? Why are there certain areas of my life where I feel like, who's the stinking boss here? Like, okay, fine. Sin doesn't have a hold on me, and grace holds that ground, and we like to sing that, but what in the world, why is it that I keep going back to the things that I want to say no to, and I keep not doing the things that I say I want to do? Why is it that I'm still struggling with this reality of going back and forth and back and forth. And this is what Paul says to us. He's like this, I get it. I understand. But when you were baptized into Christ, sin, just get this, even if you don't feel it, sin lost its power over you. But yet I don't feel like it. I, I understand him. I understand you may not, you may not understand, you may not, you may not feel like it, but I just want you to understand, Satan has and continues to do everything he can to try to convince you, oh no, you still got to say yes to the sin in your life. Oh, oh, you think because you're in Christ that, oh, you don't have to do the things, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm your master. You need to continue to do the things that I, you always have done. You know better. Yeah, yeah, fine. Maybe you get a, a gold ticket to heaven, but that's not going to affect today. I'm still falling. I, you know, why, why in the world am I still struggling with this? And Satan is trying to convince us otherwise. And this is what Paul says in Romans 6, verse 11. And this is the heart of it. He says, in the same way, count yourselves, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law but under grace. Essentially what he's saying is this. Sin is no longer your master, no longer your owner, no longer your, 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 your boss. You are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Now, here's what I'd love for you to do. I want you to hear yourself say something to yourself. I'm gonna say it, and then I want you to just whisper it, okay? <clears throat> I want you to say this with me. Sin, you're not the boss of me. Say one, one, two, three. Sin, you're not the boss of me. Now, I want to say a little bit louder, okay? You can do it. You did it, you did it really low. That was good. Let's do it a little bit louder. One, two, three. Sin, you're not the boss of me. All right, now I want you to yell it, okay? Just like, I mean, you, you know, you just, you've been pent up, and I've been having you sit there, and you're just staring, you know? So you just got to, like, let everything out, right? Okay, maybe if you don't even, like, you don't even necessarily mean it, maybe you don't even believe it. I just want to encourage you, just let out all that pent up frustration. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Sin, you're not the boss of me! That was awesome. So much better than the first service. So much better. I like you all. You're awesome. Now, here's the thing. What would it look like if you reminded yourself that daily? What well, Christian, what would that look like if every morning in the shower, as, as, as you start to think of those things that you don't want to do, but you know you're going to end up doing, what, what would you think of as you're starting your day and you're walking on your way to, to say yes to the thing that you actually want to say no to? If you just said sin, you're not the boss of me. 
You're not my mom. You're not my dad. You're not my grandma. You're not my king. You're not my God. You're not the boss of me. What if... As you're feeling overwhelmed with all the junk, you know, the gossip, the lying, the, the pornography, the thing that you are on your way to say yes to, what if you stopped and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, did you think you were the boss? You're not the boss of me! <laughs> what would that look like? How could that change our perspective? realizing that there is freedom in Christ, not for this, wow, fly away, oh glory, for today. Like for, what, what do you mean like today? Like when? Like after service? Like right now. Like right now, as like anger starts to rise up in you, you're like, ah, no. You're not the boss of me. I don't have to think that stuff. I don't have to go down that road. I don't have to believe those things about myself anymore. Why? Because you're not the boss of me. So get out. Well, if you just really got like, if you really believed that, like really believed it, and maybe if, even if you didn't really, you weren't too sure, but you just decided, you know what? I'm going to be crazy stupid. I'm going to start saying it. What would that do? How could that change the way that we live, that we view who we are in Christ, not just as these people that go to church on a Sunday hoping that one day, by the skin of our teeth, we haven't screwed up enough, and Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. What if there's something not in Adam but in Christ that's available to us where we have the authority in our life to say, sin, you're not the boss of me. I don't have to listen to you. Like I know I have been. I know, I know that literally this morning I, I, I was listening to you, but I just want to remind you and I want to declare this before my flesh, before heaven and hell, sit, you're not the boss of me. It doesn't mean I won't mess up. It doesn't mean I won't fall, but it does mean that I know who I am in Christ and I am unwilling to accept anything less. I'm going to start to walk in and to walk out and to live in and to live out the identity that Christ has given me, not so that one day I might make it to heaven, but so that I start to walk in blessing today. And I'm not sitting there feeling like, man, I don't even know if I want to go to church today. I screwed up this week and I don't even want to show because God's just going to be looking at me and people are going to know and they're going to be staring and they're going to be seeing and they saw it in the paper. Look at, what if, what if we just decided yeah, no, 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 no. You th oh, did you think you were? You're not the boss of me. <laughs> we put that on our mirror in the morning. Sin, you are not the boss of me. I'm going to make little bumper stickers. <laughs> You're not. Bug off. You're not the boss of me. Can you imagine what that would do to us? How that would change our life? Why don't you stand with me? Now, you're like, Pastor Justin, like, this is, I like this. It's good. You know, you, we got to yell in church. That was cool. But I still don't necessarily know if I, one, like this idea, because I like to consider myself charming, and I still don't know if I necessarily believe this. Uh, I'm struggling with both of these. I don't want to be here, but, I'm, but I don't want to be here. Now, here, here, here's what I want to say. If you've ever been a part or seen or understand the adoption process, right? If you ever adopted someone, adopted a kid, or maybe uh, you, you, you were adopted, um, 
the way this works is, and I know I'm crazily oversimplifying this, but with one stroke of the pen, and I know like, you have no idea, it's, it's pages and pages of signed documents. Okay, but here's the reality. At the very end, in front of the judge, the judge will sign that last document, and in that moment, with the last stroke of a pen, you are all of a sudden given a new identity, a new family. Like you are, you are no longer a ward of the state. You are no longer, you know, you're, you're, maybe parents have given up those parental rights and you are now under a new family, a new identity, in some cases a brand new name. Everything's different. Everything's changed. But here's the problem. If you've ever adopted a kid, if you've ever like fostered a kid or anything like that, um, you, you, you'll realize this, that even though the rules have changed under your house and you are not, you're not any, any, any sort of that like, involved in any of that like you know abusive things or anything like that that happens in their life they, they still act as though they're in the orphanage like they still hoard food maybe because there wasn't enough they never knew if they were going to get enough they still struggle with some of those same feelings and nightmares at night all these things and you're like well, i just don't why why are they still doing this because even though with a stroke of a pen we have commuted our our identity from adam to jesus they're still just the beginning of a journey of a process of figuring out what in the world does this new identity even mean? Like, okay, I, I've, I've made Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior, but, but how do I live in that? How do I walk in that? What does that even look like? We begin that journey of trying to figure out what it means to be a child of the Most High King when we were a son of Adam. My goodness. And if a kid will struggle with that through adoption, how much more do we struggle with that, trying to figure out what in the world does it mean to be a Christian, to have a new father, to have a, to be part of this kingdom with new rules and new, new everything, a new identity that he's given me. I want to I learn that. And I just want to encourage you as you go about your week this week, maybe your first step is just to say, you know what? I know it's going to sound stupid and it's going to be silly, but I'm going to start saying that. Sin, you're not the boss of me. Like I'm no longer under this. You're not my master. You're not my God. You're not my mom, my grandmom. You're not my dad. You're not the boss of me. Grace holds that ground. And so as we begin to walk in the righteousness of Christ, we start to find that those things start to fall off and have no longer a hold and a power over us. Now, when we start to view ourselves through this, the grid work of like viewing our identity, our marriage, our parenting, our work, doing our taxes, it, it will change you. It will change you because you're not the person who you used to be, so it's useless, it's futile to live the life you used to live. Because sin is not the boss of you. I wanna pray with you today. If, if maybe there's someone in here that's like, you walked in, you're like, you know what, Pastor Justin, like you've been, you've been preaching to me. I don't like to admit that, that maybe I'm a sinner in need of a savior, but I've been trying to fix me for a long time. And I even came in here thinking maybe if I go to church, this might fix me. But I just want you to realize what Paul is communicating. He says, who, not what, not going to church, not, not well, what book, what sermon, 
Who will save me? Who will deliver me? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God that it is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the answer. It's the beginning of a journey of finding out I'm not the same person I used to be. I remember when I first like, committed my life to Christ, the next morning I thought, I am different. Did I look different? I don't even think, I wasn't better looking. I know that. But I was different. Something shifted on the inside of me. If that's where you are today, I just want to encourage you, just between you and the Lord today, maybe you just raise your hand, just between you and him, say, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. And I, I need a savior today. I don't know what that looks like, and I don't even know if you can do that, but I, if it's true, then I want it in my own life. Why don't you just, all around this place, just raise your hand, just say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. I want you to just pray with me today. I see that. Yes. Okay, I want you to just pray with me. Simple prayer. It's nothing magical about it. It's all about the heart. Lord Jesus, I know that I've screwed this thing up. I, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I accept that today. That I'm not just a mistaker. That I desperately need you in my life. And so I choose to make you my Lord and my Savior. Come and dwell in me. Make me a new creation in you. And so Jesus, I thank you for those that have raised their hands and said, you know what, that's, that's who I want to be today. God, I pray that you would indwell them as they are baptized in you, that you would fill them to overflowing, that, that today is a new day, the beginning of a journey, of a new identity and figuring out what that looks like. Lord, I pray that you would put a hunger on the inside of them to just have an insatiable hunger to run hard after you, God. I pray that you would put a hunger in them to, to read their word and to, and to pray to a God that maybe they've never even attempted to pray to. Lord, make yourself real to them today in a way that you never have. And for those of us today that, that maybe you've been a Christian for a while and yet you're still struggling in certain areas of your life. You're like, man, I just, I realize that this is true and maybe I, maybe I forgot or maybe I just never even knew. Did you not know? But today I do. And today I want to say between, before heaven and hell, sin, you're not the boss of me. You are not. You are not the boss of me any longer. And I refuse to go walk down the road to say yes of that which I want to say no to. And so God, I pray that for each and every single one of us as we begin this journey of identity, that we truly would begin walking in the Father's love, realizing that he sent his one and only son to make a way for you where there was absolutely no way. And as we worship here today, we're all around this place. I pray that God would draw people to himself. If you've got an area of your life, maybe you just want to come down and get before the Lord by yourself. Or you've got an, an area, maybe you've got a, a physical issue, health issue, whatever that is. I would love for you to not leave this place without an opportunity to be prayed for. You can come down along the front here. And we've got a prayer team that would love to pray God into your situation. But don't leave this place without an opportunity to be prayed for. Let's worship him today, Lord. Let's lift, lift his name up all around this place. Sin, you are not the boss of me. We lift you up. We praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's pray.